Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself, and find your truth. Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. My name is Sloan Fremont, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be talking about living Tantra. And as you'll hear on this interview, this is not something that I knew anything about. Um, I actually had misconceptions about what Tantra is and even living Tantra. And today you're going to learn more about that and how you can apply it in your own life. And if you are unfamiliar with it, like me, I think you might be surprised at how this is something that you can incorporate as a lifestyle, as a way of life. And, um, it's very, it's very, the, the, our interview today is very practical. It's very real. And these are things that you can do in your own life. And what I really loved about my interview with Jan today is we talked through some, we talked through some exercises that I found really helpful from her book. And I think you're going to love them too. And I think you're going to love just this concept and what it can mean for you and your life. So stay tuned to that. There's a great interview coming up with Jan Day, author of the book, Living Tantra, A Journey into Sex, Spirit, and Relationship. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, if you are not signed up for my newsletter, please visit my website, sloanfremont.com. Over on the right-hand side, you're going to see a box, and that's where you can enter your email address, and you'll get updated every time there's a new podcast episode, which is generally every Tuesday. And I'm also going to be sending out emails coming up about a new course I'm launching that I know you're absolutely going to love. So if you have to, pause the video, go to sloanfremont.com. Enter your email address on the right-hand side and you'll be in. And the other thing I want to remind you of, if we're not connected on social media, if you're watching this on one of the video sites, uh, please be sure to subscribe to my channel, like my channel, like this video. That helps more people find us. It helps the message get out, gets out to more people. If you're listening to this on the podcasting platforms, please be sure to share this, this interview with somebody, um, share the podcast, let them know what's out there. Let them know there's something else. There's something positive they can listen to and start to really change their perspective and change their life. So those are my asks of you today. Uh, please do that. And like I said, pause the video or the audio if you need to, to do that. And with that, we'll get on to the interview with Jan Day. The principles of living Tantra are, are to use all experiences to learn and become more conscious of ourselves and the world around us and to develop greater compassion for ourselves, each other, and the world. This book introduces practices and principles to support living this in your everyday life, as well as stories from Jan's own journey and participant experiences from her workshops. So Jan, I want to welcome you to the Create What You Speak podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Sloan. Lovely to meet you and lovely to be here. Yeah. So let's start out by having you tell you just a little bit about yourself and tell us about your book, Living Tantra. Yeah. Um, so the book really um, emerged out of the workshops that I teach and out of my whole life experience. Mm -hmm. So I have about 40 years of journeying with healing my sexuality. And probably my journey took about 20 years of mm -hmm. just really like doing lots of workshops, learning, discovering, um, doing a lot of healing work, a lot of therapy to until I came to a place where I felt kind of whole. And actually, there's an interesting story. I think it's even in the book um, where like my sexuality was completely messed up. And it, it yeah, I read about you know, it. It was just it, it, it was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> and there came a point where um, 
I was actually in Switzerland with a with a, a spiritual teacher there, and I, I loved her. I really felt deeply connected to her. And I, I thought about, shall I go and live in India with her? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it was real like movement of the heart. And then I found out that she separates the men and the women, mm. that sex is not included in that community. Right. And I, I, I realized immediately, no, in this lifetime, my journey is about healing sexuality. It's not about leaving that out. And so that's not for me. And then I, you know, she was like a God for me, almost an an avatar. And so I thought at that point, even if God tells me sex is wrong, I won't believe it. So (laughs) then I knew the journey of healing sexuality was kind of pretty much at its, I'd done it. That piece was done. (laughs) Nobody was going to tell me sex was wrong ever again. (laughs) Well, right. And how liberating that is, right? Yeah. Depressed in that way, you know, um, your whole life, you know, up until then, that, that is a, I imagine a very, um, difficult place to be really and, and difficult to experience. It, I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't difficult. It was simple in the beginning because yeah. I, I went into, into purity. So, you know, that was actually a very easy way to live. It was when the urge that the natural life of my sexuality began to come alive. That's when things got difficult because yeah. there was like a crash of, of the past and the present. And it was, that was very uncomfortable. And that was when I had to, I had to, no choice, but to, yeah. to go on a healing journey, yeah. which was basically inevitably what led, you know, like 40 years later to the book, because I, I'd been teaching and I just really wanted to find a way, uh, you know, my re- when workshops are quite long residential workshops. We dived quite deep into this work, but of course not everybody can come to, a seven day workshop in England. So I want really wanted to the book to be a way for people to access this learning this teaching without having to come to a workshop to find it in their everyday life, um, without having to, to do a big workshop, but also for the people who do do my workshops, you know, which, which is it's a very enriched environment, it's very intense with working in, you know, very closely with each other. And then they have to find a way of integrating that into their everyday life. And the book is really like it it takes you by the hand and takes you, okay, these are the principles. And now we're going to live it in everyday life in, you know, like, what do I do when I'm going shopping level? Right. Yes. So so it's not esoteric and it's not in, it's not only when I'm in a workshop, it has to be in everyday life. Right. Right. And before, because I want to talk about that. I want to talk about Mm. all the exercises that you included in the book. I want to actually talked to you about some of my favorites that I've been using since I read your book. Oh, great. Yeah. But before we even get into that, yeah. can you define for us what Tantra is, what living Tantra is? Is there mm. a difference? And also maybe address mm. some misconceptions that people yeah. have about what it actually means. Sure. Yeah. So Tantra is a very ancient system that began in India and it actually began, um, as a way of taking um, spirituality out of being a, a monk in a cave in the mountains. Right. So it's a very, it, it, it's a very ancient um, spiritual path that originated in India. Mm-hmm. Now, living Tantra is taking the, the principles of Tantra, which is really to include everything, not to leave anything out, to use all of life, including sexuality, mm-hmm. um, to use everything to learn and to grow and to become more in touch with life and God and, and compassion and heart. Uh, 
so so living tantra brings us i'm not what i'm not trying to do is recreate what there was in india 2000 years ago right. i i've taken that like the root principles and created a system that is needed in our western culture now in 2020 2022 right. now so it's so it's it's current and of our time so it's not in any way supposed to match whatever was going on 2000 years ago in india right so that's what living tantra is now it's a contemporary neo tantra you would say in that case but there's lots of other people who've done who've said okay this is tantra and and adapted it and many of those people unfortunately have made tantra only about sex which is right. it never was and never is supposed to be so there is a misconception that tantra is all about sex and while we certainly do concentrate quite a lot on sex because it's such a powerful energy that if you right. ignore it you know and certainly in the west we've made it pretty dysfunctional so so it's important that it um that it gets included and explored and that the wounds from that get healed but that doesn't mean that it's all about sex. It's, it's right. also about how do we do our job? How do we relate to our parents and our children? How do we work, relate to our colleagues? How do we relate to how we use the resources in the world? It's like, how do we learn from everything in our experience to bring ourselves into more tune and more wholeness? Right. So that, that's what Tantra really is. And yeah, there are lots of misconceptions and a, a lot of technique oriented stuff that's just techniques of sex, which for me has got really nothing to do with Tantra at all. So, yeah. yeah, but that's, I mean, honestly, I didn't really know what Tantra was before reading your book. Mm -hmm. um, I think I had more of the sexual definition because I had seen books yeah, that sure. what you had yeah. talked about. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't something that I was familiar with. So it's very interesting to me to understand and learn what that, what it actually was, because mm -hmm. I didn't know. And what I really enjoyed about your book was the, the practicality of it, but also how you led people. I felt as the reader, I was being led through in a very slow and safe way. And I know yeah. that those are two things that were big themes that I noticed throughout your book that you, you touched yeah. a lot of the importance yeah. of that of, um, you know, what, how, and, and I really started to look at that in my own life, how with anything, how I tend to move quickly, I go fast, I want to get it done. I want, you know, and so that, that yeah. reminder of slowing down and, and, and building upon rather than expecting to go to the next was, I, I really enjoyed that about your book. Yeah. Great. That's lovely to hear. And that is fundamental actually to all my work that really, if we, if we go slowly, we can be there in the experience that we're in. And when we're there, we have all our senses and, and um, available to us, which actually makes it safe. It means that we can know when things are going beyond what's okay for us. And if we go too fast, we skip over that and we end up in trouble. Right. And that leads to one of the things you, there was a point in the book where you mentioned um, my favorite phrase, phrase actually, which is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. uncomfortable that, yeah. that phrase, I heard that years ago when I, as when I first started out as a consultant, I heard that from one of the managers and I've mm -hmm. carried that through my life because that, that to me is like one of the keys to living life because pretty much yeah. everything in life is, is uncomfortable, right? If we ex expect to yeah. change grow. So how do you think that ability of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable or even the discomfort plays into our experiences? Um, I think it, it's natural for us to want to be comfortable. 
I mean, that's, you know, everybody wants to be comfortable and we tend to do things to, to make our life comfortable. And of course that makes our experiences smaller. You know, we don't, right. we don't risk things. We don't try things. Um, we shut down, we, we use all our exits and our, our ways of limiting our experience so that we won't have to feel things that are a little bit uncomfortable. And so that naturally just limits our experience. Of course, it stops us growing. And when we can, when we can expand and, and find this, this sense of, yeah, it's actually, it's okay to be a bit uncomfortable. In fact, that's maybe, that's quite a good sign. It means that we're, we're living kind of in the juicy zone. Yeah. We're living on the edge. Good. Then, um, when we can make friends with that and actually realize that, um, that, that there's a safety in that actually, because when we, when we, if we're trying to keep everything comfortable and so that we don't feel anything that we don't really want to feel, I mean, we can't actually do that. It's not possible. So it means that we keep our life very small and we can't do it anyway. So it's anyway going to go wrong. And there's this image of like, that rather than dodging all the things that are coming along, we just learn to catch them and be with them and bring them in so that we can just walk through life and meet whatever arises. And then when we can meet whatever arises, the whole world opens up. We can be with anything. We can meet people, we can engage, we can dance and play and and fall over and make mistakes and be with all of it and that so it it opens the world wide up when we're willing to to experience discomfort I totally agree and I felt like you know I spent a lot of my life resisting the discomfort so not only did I not want Mm. the the discomfort of change I resisted like resisted the resistance of it, which adds another <laughs> layer of, yeah. discomfort, right? Like I'm already applying yeah. discomfort for myself and then I'm adding more in that, that willingness to be open into, you know, cause I used to feel like I was doing, I always explain it this way. Like I was doing change wrong. If I was uncomfortable, like for some right, reason yeah. I had a belief that when you changed things were just comfortable because everybody always made it look so easy, right? You don't see the in-between space for most people. You see the beginning where they declare, I'm going to make a change. And then you see the end where they're completely happy in their new life, right? We don't see that ugly middle part, right? Where people go through that discomfort and that. So that was my belief that it would, that I, that change was comfortable. And I really had to allow myself. And you talk about this in the book about taking small incremental steps of that, right? Like I'm not going to go out the first day and, do the biggest thing in the world that I'm scared of, right? I'm doing these in incremental steps that feel comfortable and safe to me. And comfortable isn't the word that feel safe and doable to me to, to show myself that yeah. it's okay to do these things, right? It's okay. Yeah. I think the, 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 the crucial bit is to be, to be willing to be uncomfortable enough that you can still be there and feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that with touch a lot. Like, you know, sometimes when we do touch exercises, I'll say, in fact, I, I nearly always say to people, it is more important that you would just say, let your fingers or your hands be touched, but you can feel it than let your whole body be touched, but you've right. numbed out and you don't feel anything. So you have to be able to be able to, to l- limit it enough so that you can be with it to be like, what is your limit? What is your capacity to hold that discomfort and not push way beyond it? Because then actually nothing happens. Right. And when you yeah. say with it, what what do you mean by that? Not to, just getting mental. Yeah, to be 
not escaping in any way. So mentally or physically or numbing out or like, so that you really are able to be with the experience fully. So that means to, to, to listen to what's going on in your heart, to listen to what's going on in your belly, to listen to the, the flow of energy and your breath and your, the thoughts that are happening and the, the, you know, like to, to be able to really to sense the energies that, you know, like what's happening in me when this happens and to be with that experience and that being with is just super important. Yeah, it is. And do you find in your experience with the people you've worked with in your workshops and do you find that when it, and this is my own experience where if I've been in something that's been uncomfortable, then I start making up stories about it, right? I'm telling myself different things about that I believe are true in the moment that are, are actually not even true, but in my discomfort, I'm making up stories to tell myself something as to why I'm feeling a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And so really a big practice. And I think, I think that that comes through in the book pretty carefully is being willing to feel and, um, like to go slowly enough that you can learn how to, how to access your experience, how to not, because the stories, it's just another exit. It's a way of not feeling, you know, and everybody has their exits and everybody has different ones. So learning what your exits are are quite important because then you can see, okay, here's a little red flag. I notice that story's coming up again, or I notice that I've suddenly started dreaming about, you know, going on holiday, or I've noticed that I'm suddenly replaying some other thing from the past, or I suddenly have found the trees outside terribly interesting. You know, like we all have our ways of of yes, of exiting. And that was when I wanted to get to that. That was one of my two favorite exercises from your book that I wanted to talk to you about. But then I also want to find out what your favorite is. But that finding our exes was that and that's at the beginning of your book. And that one has been key yeah. for me right now in my own life because mm-hmm. and actually I, I talked to a friend about it too, because she was going through her own things and we were talking about about this. Yeah. And um it's amazing to me how many stories I will make up to find exits. How many yeah. excuses so I guess before we go on, maybe we should explain what we mean by that by finding by an exit. Yeah. yeah. So an exit is anything you do that takes you away from your the presence of you in your body feeling what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. So it could be and, and sometimes exits like some like like there could be something like reading a book or reading a newspaper it can be a perfectly productive activity but it can also be an exit so sometimes it's not that things are always an exit like it could there's nothing wrong with reading the newspaper right. but you know you'll notice that if every time you're a bit stressed you pick up your phone to read the news then that's probably an exit right and I mean, if there's the obvious ones like smoking, alcohol, drugs. So, you know, there's a natural exit that just take you somewhere else. Story. Yeah. Making up stories from the past, making up living in fantasies. Those are definitely, I mean, of course, social media, you know, phones, the addictive quality of phones is phenomenal. Oh, um, completely. Totally. Uh, and it, it's, it's amazing. I, I find in myself, my, it's just amazing to me, my capacity to make up these stories, to find reasons why I should exit a situation when I'm uncomfortable, yeah. right? When I'm, yeah. when I'm uncomfortable and I'm, um, maybe I don't want to deal with something at the moment, right. Or I want to, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to talk about whatever's being talked about anymore or, and I can feel it rise up in my body. Like I can feel it as this like yeah. actual feeling of the, the, um, 
instead of the fight, it's the flight. Like I can feel the flight yeah. in me wanting exactly. to run away. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's in, so as, after reading this and, and, t- and reading through the exercise in the book and what I'm finding when I just sit with it, first off, it's not as bad as it seems. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not as bad as it seems. Second off, yeah. I can actually start to see some of the ridiculousness in the stories that I'm making up. And I, you know, I'll ask myself, right. like, is it even true? Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you have any proof of that? Right. Yeah. And, um, the answer is no, I don't have any, <laughs> in that. but it's in, and I can see these exits. Then I can see the the pattern of the exits over my life. Like why I haven't done certain things or got certain things or why relationships ended this mm. way or that way. Right. I can see the, the, the exit points where I've done this. And so I, I found that one very fascinating. I, I really loved yeah. that one. Um, yeah. The yeah. other one I wanted to tell you about really quick that I love was yeah. the one. it's at the end and it's seeing the Buddhas in disguise. Oh yeah, that's beautiful. You know that's I, a really beautiful that one, one is that I love yeah. that one. I want to read the quote that you have in there, but can you yeah. explain? That? So it's really like when you see every person, you know, at the core of their being, they're they're pure, like they're they're innocent and pure spirit. And of course, we have all these layers of humanity and wounds and difficulties and struggles that kind of mask us and come in front of us. Right. So it's like when you see anybody, you see through that layer of all those layers and you you aim to see through to the core of their being that yeah. in everybody is a shining light. And then, yeah, there's something beautiful in doing that. Oh, I love that. Seeing the goodness in every in everyone and you in the in that section, the quote that you had at the end, which I also loved was a quote from Longfellow. And it says, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each person's life, sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all hostility. I absolutely love that. I mean, that is, that is, it's for me, my personal tendency is to be rushing through everything, be annoyed by everything be annoyed by whatever in the world and when i stop and think about why i'm that way i don't have an answer there's no answer for that and i so this 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 exercise of seeing the buddhas and everyone in this quote really got me to be like wait a minute i need to check myself here when i'm out in the world right is this how i want to carry myself is this how i want to be no it isn't at all and that that even mm. when i'm on the phone if i'm on the if i'm annoyed that i have to maybe i have to call about something you know i've been on hold for a long time and i'm annoyed i i am envisioning this when i'm doing it i'm i'm seeing the person in their pure light rather than seeing it through the lens of annoyance or frustration that i've had to deal with this or that because the person it has nothing to do with that right they're not the one that you know, they have nothing to do with yeah. that. So um, I really loved both of those exercises from your book. Lovely. That's great to hear. Thank what you. was your favorite exercise that you included? I think probably one of the, one of my favorite, I mean, I liked all of them. I think right. one of my favorite ones is just the one where, where I have people just like stroke and touch their own body and hold themselves with love. Because yeah. I think one of the things that I know from my work and just witnessing people doing touch exercises is that basically none of us get enough touch. We right. just don't. Right. And, and, and even if we get enough, it might not be the right quality. So, right. and we don't even know it. So to, to have people begin to touch themselves and bring love to themselves through touch, um, it just reminds me of um, the ways that, the moments when I've seen people just, like they've been terrified of touch and then they get some touch within boundaries. And their whole being lights up. Like suddenly yeah. there's 
something opens and relaxes that that lets people um come home to themselves yeah. you know we just we need we just need touch and touching ourselves and bringing love to ourselves i think is just really important so i think that's one of my favorites I, but I, I, yeah. I, I remember my own my own journey and this has been probably five years ago five or six years probably six years ago now when i was really starting my own journey of healing and mm -hmm. i was just at a point similar to you i just couldn't i can't exist like this anymore there has to be something different and i was mm. in a job i had just gotten out of a relationship that was terrible i was in a job i didn't like i was in a town i didn't you know all of these things i, yeah. I just wasn't satisfied and i my commute to that job was probably like 45 minutes one way and so the whole you know the script would start as soon as i got the in the car and on the way home and i remember on those trips um reading about putting your hand on your heart just like actually touching your, mm -hmm. putting your hand on your heart. I couldn't even do that exercise for probably a couple of months because I, I don't, and it just, it was so emotional for me to give myself such simplistic love that it was overwhelming. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And mm -hmm. as I think back on that and that time, especially like what you were talking about with needing touch or needing like to be kind and gentle to ourselves. I mean, mm -hmm. now I look back and I can't imagine not being able to do that for myself. But I bring that up because yeah. if anybody is listening, who's experiencing anything like this or yeah. in the early stages of this, it's, it's, it's such important work and it's worth it. Like I, I was, yeah. I couldn't do it at first, but I, I didn't give up. I kept trying because I knew there was something different. And so that I, I specifically remember that, that time and just even holding my hand in my heart and just crying on the drive because it was so emotional. It was so emotional. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, a big, I, I would say a big part of living Tantra in general, it's not only about getting to know yourself, it's about getting to love yourself. But of course, you can't love yourself unless you know yourself. Right. So it's about really bringing love home here. Because if we can't love ourselves, we can't, we can't spread love out either. And right. we can't live it. We can't be that. So, right. yeah. So you have a chapter on opening ourselves as sexual beings and then meeting others as sexual mm. beings. So mm. how does this help us to maybe open our hearts and even deepen our intimacy? Cause you talk about intimacy in the book too, and deepen mm. that intimacy with ourself and with others. Yeah. So what, what most people growing up in the West don't haven't had like what, when they went through puberty, they didn't have um, aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters who said to them, wow, this is a great transition you're going through. You know, you're turning from a boy to a man, you're turning from a girl to a woman, and that's a wonderful thing. And you're going to begin to start feeling some sexual urges. And that can be really beautiful and exciting. And this is how you explore it. And this is, this is how you befriend now this really big part of your body and your being which is your sexual energy. And this is, you know, this is how it all is. And you can be comfortable with it. And this is, you know, if you have problems, come to me. So we needed that, but almost nobody in the West got that. So almost every, I mean, puberty for most kids is a nightmare. It certainly was for me. It's confusing and a struggle and, and sexuality is just something 
that is is a it's like a big tangled knot of what am I supposed to do with this? Right. And so we shut it down, you know. And the church certainly hasn't helped. None of the religions have helped yeah. one bit, you know. Like that's I mean that that's the essence of tantra is instead of splitting sex and spirit, we bring them back together. So right. we get the the beauty and the purity of it. The thing is, if we miss out, if we if we suppress and 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 wipe out our sexual nature that is a that it's the source of our energy i mean sexual energy is huge it is it is the you know it's a big part of our being and if we shut that out we can't really land in our body right because we turn down the most powerful energy of creation which is our the force of sexual energy so we have to come into contact with it and befriend it and get to know it in ourselves so that we can be whole and and love ourselves otherwise you know there's like this great big elephant in the room that we've just wiped out and so owning our sexual energy and discovering what it is for us individually that's really important i don't ever tell people how they should be sexually or what how they should experience it or live it but it's about who who am i and can i allow that can i accept that and love that in myself and meet that um with all the feelings that go with it and with all the you know most an awful lot of people unfortunately also have a lot of trauma around touch and sexuality so you know all of that has to be dealt with as well so when we come home to that (coughs) we can come home to ourselves as a as a whole sexual being as a man or a woman however that expresses and that enables us to kind of land people say they land more solidly in themselves like they they can be there because they've owned that part of themselves um of course and then of course once we found it in ourselves you know it's our base our our basic biology is to connect with other people connection is is super important we we don't exist as as islands in the world we exist we need connection we don't survive or thrive without connection so naturally we meet other people in in that energy and we then of course we need to to learn how to do that because um, that means being able to be uncomfortable being able to be willing to say what's true for us and express boundaries and say no i mean that that yes and no you know that's a really important one too yes i love that that section in the book where you talk, go through that and how many times we say yes when we mean no but then there was also a part in the book where you talk about yeah. hearing no isn't necessarily a bad thing right yeah. no is the yeah. Sometimes no, it doesn't mean you fall to pieces because somebody said no. It means somebody has expressed their boundary and you know what that means. And then you can get on. You're not trying to yeah. make up a story about why they are acting a certain way, you know, various things about that. So I really, really love that section in the book about the yes and no, because that is so important. I mean, people talk about that, but it, there was a way that you ex- described it in the book that I felt like really illustrated it in a way that meant something today. I don't know yeah. if that- <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's super important because it goes, it doesn't only go through sexuality. It goes through every, you know, every phone call we make, every conversation we have, every time we make a request or have a request made to us. Yes and no is it's, it's just super important. And I mean, it's the most basic words, probably the kids, the first words they learn are probably yes right. and no. Yeah. Certainly no. Uh, and yet then they end up getting cross. The wires get cross and we're saying yes, we mean no, no, we mean yes. And 
And then we can't trust ourselves or each other. We have no idea what we mean because everyone's using words the wrong way. So, right. Yeah. I think when you can phrase, if, if you can think of, if somebody can say no, that means I can trust their yes. That's really helpful. Yes, it, I agree. It's a way of reframing it so that you, you realize it's information and it means, oh, wow, this person is trustworthy because actually they can say what's true to me. Right. And I'm not, I'm not left guessing. Yeah. What we do a lot of times. We're left guessing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you yeah. And making up stories. Exactly. Oh, they've said yes. They've, they've accepted the invitation, but is was it too much or have it? You right. Know, do they really want to or should I? Yeah. yeah. No, I totally yeah. agree. And I think that um, even touching back on what we, you were talking about, like how most people in the West experience puberty and sexuality, it's, um, you know, it's it's a very messy at such a young age, it's a very messy thing to go through. And then you carry that into your adult mm. life. And so there's layers upon layers as we, we do these things, right? And they just keep layering on each other. And then we're looking through layers of things too that we're experiencing. And mm. really what I felt after your book is that you, you're peeling back those layers. You're helping us look at the layers that we have that we probably don't even know are there. But those layers that those layers and those suppression, the the energy we spend on trying to fight the thoughts or the feelings or the energy we spend on not knowing if someone means yes or no, whatever it is, right? There's all this expended energy. And as you said, yeah. people feel like they're they've landed. To me, what it feels like is I've I've cleared out the energetic space for myself. Like I don't have these things that I'm holding on to that are um fake, like a waste of my time or things yeah. that have been worth me addressing because they're just something mm -hmm. that's on in my mind. It's like, okay, yeah. this is how it really feels to be me. And I don't think a lot of people know how, what that feels like. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, that is exactly it. People don't know what it feels like to be themselves. Yeah. And isn't that sad? And it yeah, is. that's the, that is the ultimate aim of living Tantra is to, to learn who you are and to be able to be yourself, to be able right. to shine as you're, as you know, this beautiful being that you are. Right. Yeah. So who would you say your book would appeal to and why? I think it has appealed to a lot of people. Um, a, a lot of singles come because they've, they've been struggling with sexuality. They want to have connection. It's a lovely way to meet people. Um, a lot of couples want to come or half of a couple wants to come because they want to deepen their relationship. Some people come because they just want to um, know more about themselves because they know they've hit a wall or they've they've got stuck and and they they know they want to grow somehow mm -hmm. and and actually in my workshops a lot of people I would say most people come because they've one of their friends has said has told them something about it or what happens even more is somebody's done the workshops and their friends have seen the transformation they've gone yeah. through. And then I want some of that. What have you been doing? <laughs> right, right. Can you tell me what you've been doing? Because I want some of that. Right. And um, so a lot of people come because because they they've just witnessed what it does for other people, yeah. and that is fantastic for me. Because then you know that that's the right people coming. And I hope that the book really gives people you know a taste and a sense of that, so that either they can live it in their own life through reading the book, because it really does take you on a journey. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, from the book, people are inspired to come to the workshops because they've, 
they they just have a sense of the realness and the authenticity of it and they want they want to live that especially with other people with with you know other people on the same journey that's really powerful right so you have a workshop coming up you want to tell us a little bit about that we do yeah we have we have a five-day workshop coming up over new year and um it, it's kind of an introduction to living tantra so we do living tantra starting the series every spring but over new year we do this five-day workshop um which every year it starts on the 28th of december so it's like you've, you've done with christmas and you're, you're in a transition so it's a time of celebration but it's also a time of letting go of the past year and opening up and visioning the new year and and being in connection and like somehow living a community in, in, a, in a community for five days where you can feel what it's like to care about yourself and each other and and to let go and to let go of the past and to open to the future and so it's a it's a beautiful celebration and a, and a lovely introduction to living tantra actually yeah and where will it be held so that will be at earth spirit center in somerset that's where we do most of our work Okay. And I'll include so in a- England. Yeah. Because yeah, okay. not in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the U S but we have a lot of UK listeners. So, yeah. um, and we have a lot of USP customers, actually people do come to the, yeah. to the UK from the U S to do the workshops. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll put a link in the show notes for the listeners. Yeah. So that'd be great. That. Um, so before we close out today, yeah. what do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book? I, I hope they have a sense of being a little more in love with themselves, a little more connected to themselves, a little more able to live fully and authentically and feel alive, feel their aliveness and the goodness of who they are when they're connected to themselves. Yeah. That's what yeah. they take away. <laughs> well, again, I love the book. It was it was an amazing journey for me, again, not really knowing what Tantra was or living Tantra. Um, I can definitely see how, I mean, this it's a lifestyle is maybe yeah. the word I would yeah. use. For it. Yeah. 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 So can you tell the listeners how they can find out a little bit more about you? Sure. Um, the website, janday.com is almost certainly the best place to go to. There's some videos on there. There's um lots and lots of on the press sex tab there's lots and lots of articles and interviews and things that i've written and people that other people have written so you can really find out a lot there are a few things on youtube but i would say everything starts from the website janday.com and of course if people want to get the book i think most bookstores would have it and you can get it from amazon and um you know like all the normal places that you would order online They'll, they'll have a copy of it Great. And I'll link it again in the show notes so that it's easy to find. Uh, So my guest today has been Jan Day, author of the book, Living Tantra, A Journey into Sex, Spirit, and Relationship. Jan, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's been an amazing conversation with you. Thank you, Sloan. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Yes. You've been listening to the Create What You Speak podcast brought to you by webtalkradio.net. You can also hear the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Create What You Speak podcast, where we will continue to free our minds, expand our consciousness, and untangle those thoughts and patterns that keep us from living the life we desire. Check out my website, sloanfremont.com, to learn more.